Support Narrative's independent journalism at patreon.com forward slash narrative and check out our podcast wherever you get your podcasts and don't forget to subscribe and download. So, so Pence just came out and said, well, the choice has never been more clear in an election. And I'm like, well, at least you're, you're right for once. That's cool. <laughs> that is true, 100%. Of course, we're talking about Kamala Harris, the senator from California, is now the vice presidential pick for uh, the Democratic ticket, which is an incredible moment in history. Joe did the thing that everyone thought he was going to do. He did the smart thing. He did the thing that's going to bring in uh, a big voter turnout. It's going to bring in a 55, I think she is, your old uh, black and Asian-American politician who is going to be the standard bearer probably for the Democratic Party because he is not likely to stand for more than one term. So she, if everything goes well, she could be the first woman president of the United States, plus all those other things that she is. And she has four years to learn on the job with, uh, with Joe Biden by her side. And that's a, that's a pretty good uh, mix. It reminds me of something, actually. It reminds me of, of another combination of, of maybe lack of experience, but lots of potential and ambition. And, and, and great experience uh, with Joe Biden. And that was, of course, the ticket of Barack Obama and Joe Biden uh, in 2008. I covered that and it was uh, a remarkable time because it had the same kind of energy as today. You can't really argue against that either because this, the feeling around Barack Obama, so he's running against uh, John McCain. So you had another sort of old school, new school kind of setup, but you couldn't, um, you couldn't argue that you know this was a really uh, emotional time for us for americans and also a, a sense that something was new and fresh and i felt that today i felt that mm -hmm. with kamala harris today um and so we might be on the verge of a very similar sort of chemistry mix that we had with um with obama i'm going to show you my little picture i never never do this but that's me with barack oh, obama cool. in 2009. this was about the same time so he was the senator he's about to be elected this was uh, we went to see one of his last rallies uh, and we hung out mm -hmm. for a bit. We got to see him backstage, and uh, he, what a phenomenal, phenomenal um, orator! Like just incredible. He lit up that entire uh, high mm -hmm. school gym that it was, and it was just beautiful the way he spoke, and the accessibility and the niceness and the kindness that you expected with the Obama um, presidency was all there. So it was a, a remarkable mm -hmm. day, really special day for me. And I'm feeling the same kind of thing about uh, about Kamala Harris because she's very accessible. She's certainly a very modern different kind of politician. Um, and uh, that augurs well for for the ticket because Biden, uh, you know, he's been around a bit, he's sort of a known figure. Um, so it might be interesting mm -hmm. to see how uh, how he does. You know, this is a in very interesting ticket uh, in an age that has so many criminal acts going on uh, from the executive branch of government, which is rare. Uh, you, you, of course, had uh, the fabulous Jill Wine-Banks on who- Did have today. Uh, yeah, who prosecuted uh, the Watergate felons, uh, you know, back when, uh, you know, felonies were more of a, an exception and not the rule in, a, in an executive branch. Uh, of course, this one for the last four years has flipped that on its head. Um, and I just think it's interesting. We're going to have Joe Biden out there to call out the malarkey, and she knows how to prosecute it. So... I mean, she has been a steadfast critic of of the administration, on especially around their criminality, and that's been a, what has been necessary. And I think people were missing that during the campaign. And she has been throughout as soon as it, it became known 
what the facts were around uh, Russian involvement with this administration. She was there uh, insisting that that was the case and prosecuting it publicly. There's a, um, a tweet that I have here, which I'll, I'll pull up while, while you chat away, um, which, which reflects that. And I, you know, that kind of clarity from a senator and a candidate is exactly what people want, I think, going into this election, is the you know, absolute certainty that uh, you've got someone who knows the facts around who Donald Trump really is and can prosecute that. She said, <laughs> remember that this president is an unindicted co-conspirator in a felony criminal investigation and should not have the ability to appoint someone to a lifetime position on the Supreme Court. Kavanaugh's hearing should be delayed until the investigation is resolved. Of course it wasn't, and uh, we now have Justice Kavanaugh, um, which is interesting as well, because Donald Trump spoke about that in his critique of Kamala Harris. We'll play that a little later on. I just can't stomach him right now. So um, we'll, we'll just stick with what we have here. But you know, she's, she's, she's the right person for this, because we need someone there who can go, especially during the debates, who can stick it to these guys, and, and then on the, on the trail, who can really be critical of what they've done to American democracy, and, and really explain to people what those, those felonies really mean, and what those investigations really mean, and that he would be indicted uh, if he weren't the President of the United States. Well, you know, we were talking about experience, and it's true, Kamala Harris has only been a U.S. senator replacing Barbara Boxer in 2017 following the 2016 election, but she's far from inexperienced. She's been, she was a prosecutor, a prosecutor alone for 26 straight years. She started as uh, in the DA's office in San Francisco, which is a non, you know, that's not a small, you know, one horse town. Um, you got, you know, just on the city level, those crimes are... Uh, that she's going to prosecute are going to be, you know, broad reaching of a variety of types. You're going to have international, uh, you know, involvement. You're going to have to have interactions with the FBI uh, and as well as the state. And then she went on to be state attorney general of California, which of course is not a small and insignificant state um, in any way. Mm. And, you know, she went from there as attorney general to U.S. Senator. So this is a woman who spent 26 years enforcing the law, and then she goes straight to Senator, where she's on the Judiciary Committee, and she's she's making the law. Mm. Uh, and in a we are in an era that has been defined by law testing and law breaking. Mm. Uh, you know, the laws that are broken, we've uh, yet barely begun to scratch the surface of that, I think, because the, the administration itself has been in motion and it is just a felony perpetual motion generator. Uh, the longer you let it, you know, roll, the more felonies fly off of it, mm. uh, potentially forever if we let it go. Uh, but, you know, the when that stops, you know, we're going to be able to count up what acts were done and not interfere with an ongoing presidency. But more than that, we had rule and law testing where uh, I was just reading an, an inspector general report uh, from the State Department of uh, Mike Pompeo using his power to declare an emergency situation in order to facilitate one arms deal, $8.1 billion to Saudi Arabia, the United Arab Emirates, and Jordan, not exactly our closest allies these days. That was um, the most shocking move by Pompeo, and still, you know, remarkably legal, of course, uh, and yet uh, he got away with it. Those, those arms did land up being, or seem to be, uh, have gone over to Saudi Arabia. But that needs to be obviously investigated under normal circumstances. Uh, this no administration would survive this, but this is such a lawless administration. You can't tell where, where the law begins or ends anymore. 
Right. And, you know, this is what I mean by the, the, the law testing is that, you know, the secretary of state is assumed not to be a wanton felon, uh, perhaps incorrectly. It's been more by tradition, uh, but we expect them to do the right thing. We expect their policies might be misguided, but that they won't just openly flagrantly violate the system and its principles. And here you had the general expectation that an, an emergency should be an emergency. It shouldn't be decided 20 days before you declare an emergency that will allow you to get around Congress and, and was these one. weapons out. It was, just wasn't one. There just wasn't one. Yeah. Uh, if, you can, if you're planning it three weeks out, that's planned. It's not emergency by yeah. definition. And you know, do is that conspiracy to defraud the United States? Who knows? Maybe uh, a future DC prosecutor will decide that. I, I don't know that uh, between Mike Pompeo and future prosecutors. You'd think Mike. that it could be. I mean, there's also the issue of you know Bill Barr, the sort of I don't know. You know, he's not really an attorney general because he's not operating like an attorney general. He's just sort of a you know, he's a cover-up guy who is killing every investigation related to the president, and it's not even he's not even trying to hide it. I mean, today you were talking about the uh, the Michael Flynn case that was being heard. Uh, why did you catch up everybody on that? Because I think there's a lot of news in there, and we'll get back to to Kamala and company in a bit. Well, speaking of uh, you know of laws and traditions and. Uh... This administration, of course, the the saga of Mike Flynn, who was working as an unregistered agent of uh, the Turkish dictator Erdogan, um, and also working alongside being paid by Russia on the way to taking an incredibly sensitive national security position as national security advisor. Mm-hmm. Um, he's still being prosecuted just for the one crime they threw at him in 2017, which was counts of 18 U.S. Code 1001, which is lying to federal agents. Don't lie to the FBI. They already know. They already have the transcript yeah. of the thing they're asking you about. And so if you lie to them, they actually, they're nice. They will then show you the transcript and say, you sure you didn't say this? And if you lie to them twice, you get, you just won yourself uh, in a 1001 charge. That's how it works. And, you know, he agreed to uh, to cooperate, and then he unagreed. And it's been this whole saga. And today we had the entire D.C. Circuit Court sitting on bank. That's all 10 j- judges of the D.C. Circuit Court of Appeals, which is uh, one of the most important, if not the most important circuit in the United States, given the amount of... Uh, of, of is it 10, is it 10 judges? Through. Is that how many people in that particular appeals? Okay. And all 10 were yeah, there. 10 I heard them one them. of them had to recuse himself. Or is that correct? Or... I didn't, uh, you know, I didn't catch that, but okay. it could be. I only, there, there, were, there, were, there were a couple judges that didn't have a lot of questions. Uh, we got to hear from uh, Merrick Garland, who was almost, uh, uh, you know, Supreme Court justice and almost allowed me to make uh, dinner reservations in Washington by saying, who is it? Oh, dinner for two. It's Merrick Garland. <laughs> got busted. We both got screwed. I think his destiny was affected more than mine. I'm sorry. Judge hey, maybe um, there's another maybe there's another chance for him in the future. Who knows? <laughs> yeah, we should revisit the Kavanaugh thing. Who knows? Yeah, yeah. It's I mean, definitely worth revisiting the Kavanaugh thing. That thing is a, a giant mess. So you listened into the um, to the hearing today. It didn't yes. look like it was going Flint's way, from what I heard or saw on Twitter. Um, is that well, was that be an accurate uh, impression? Well, you know, it it helps if your argument isn't complete and utter nonsense uh, Mm -hmm. that 
always helps in a court case. Uh, here they've been, the crux of it without getting too uh, jargony with the, the law is Bill Barr stepped into the Flynn case where he's already pleaded guilty. He's already signed papers twice, I believe, to say, I am guilty. I did this. And in all that contract, it says, I'm not being coerced. Everything here is true. I did it. And this is for this is for a parking ticket. This is, you know, he was going to do, you know, maybe a weekend at Club Fed and, and six months of probation. You know, this was for his cooperation, which he stopped. But Barr wants, apparently, everybody to believe that they own all the laws of physics. And no, don't cooperate with prosecutors. Just we got this. Trump can bail you out, even though that's obstruction of justice, really. It's, you know, so we're yeah. talking about tradition. Is it illegal for him to do that? Uh, only if you can prove a conspiracy to obstruct justice, which uh, your your guest earlier today, Jill Weinbanks, has done before. Yeah. It can be done. And she, well, I believe, we, said that bar guy should be in prison for what he's done. I mean, she was also saying that, you know, he's basically covering up for the president. I mean, the president is the co-conspirator here that he's covering up for. So even though this is a case about Flynn and the other case was about Roger Stone, the guy at the center of these cases is really Donald Trump. And, you know, I read her book and she uh, she pointed out that the reason that the tapes were submitted, and this is in, in regarding Nixon, the reason why the Supreme Court ultimately allowed them to use the tapes is because he was the central conspirator. So if you couldn't, without him in the case, well, you couldn't prove the case. So, uh, and it's the same situation here. In order to prove all these other cases are as important and serious as they are, you kind of have to look at Donald Trump as the main guy uh, in the middle of it, because guess what? He is. I mean, frankly, you or I could call up Sergei Kislyak, uh, you know, as ambassador in early 2016 and go, hey, Sergei, want to talk about the sanctioning and your, your diplomat spies getting PNG'd out of the country and shutting down the residenturas? We could call him up and it wouldn't be that big a deal because we're not advising a guy president. who's going to be president while there's already a president. See, yeah, there's that central... Is that whole thing, that whole thing, it's not right. Now... Um, I'm going to play a little bit of the interview we had today. So LB and I uh, had a great opportunity to sit down with Jill Wine-Banks, who wrote the book, The Watergate Girl. Uh, it's all about her experience as the sole female prosecutor in a very early stage in, in uh, women in justice, I should say, um, mm -hmm. and when she prosecuted uh, the Watergate uh, scandal and won. So here's a couple of minutes from that. It's really interesting. There is an attempt, it seems, uh, at least from the... Justice Department or at the very top of the Justice Department from the Attorney General himself to really cover up every single crime that Trump could be impacted by, whether it's Roger Stone or Michael Flynn. Yeah. Uh, and there is a, obviously a commonality there between uh, Nixon and, and Trump in terms of wanting to cover up um, and obstructing justice. But this seems so much more serious these days. I mean, this is a much more, it's a, it's a yeah. whole different level. Well, you know, yes. Mitchell, Mitchell, who was the Attorney General, under Nixon, and then took over as the head of Creep, went to jail for his crimes, for his obstruction of justice. If there is any justice, William Barr will also go to jail. But William Barr is a much more serious threat to democracy because he's still the attorney general while he's doing all these right. things. And I do think that the motion to dismiss the Flynn case is an attempt to keep Flynn from cooperating with the prosecutors by saying, look, you're not going to go to jail. You're going to get out of this. You don't have to cooperate. Otherwise, he might be telling us what he knows about Donald Trump's knowledge of Russian interference in the election and many other right. things. So right. to me, it's a clear case of an apparent obstruction of justice. 
but it goes way beyond that. It goes way beyond that. All of the, including the attack at Lafayette Square on peaceful protesters, including just so many things that Barr has done that make him impeachable, disbarrable. Um, I mean, he should be disbarred for sure. And he won't be impeached because hopefully he'll be out of office before that could happen. Um, I mean, I put a lot of faith in the American people and in seeing what's going on and in making sure that people get out the vote in November so that we can be freed of what I see as a very serious threat to democracy. Um, so many of the things that are going on. And partly it is, you know, McGahn being told not to testify. It's partly having people from Homeland Security told, you can't testify about children being locked up in cages. They are stonewalling, not just in a criminal case, not just in the impeachment investigation. They're stonewalling on ordinary routine oversight by Congress. And if Congress can't oversee the executive, we've lost a very serious part of our democracy and a serious part of our constitution. Um, She's uh, remarkable, obviously. And to have that point of view from a federal prosecutor who prosecuted a president before, uh, you know, this is not a... uh, an unimportant point of view about what's going on with Bill Barr and with this entire administration. And she seems pretty adamant that that's exactly what uh, should happen. Now, she wasn't clear about whether it will happen because as we found out with Nixon, you know, things didn't turn out the way that maybe a lot of people wanted and he never got to face uh, justice. Yeah, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm sure she doesn't want to speculate too much, but I thought her, her concrete statements were incredibly powerful, especially since she has seen this all the way through to completion before the end of a presidency Mm -hmm. because of criminal acts. And I think her, uh, you know, her statements uh, about the fact that they're not just committing crimes, they are impeding the very nature of oversight. They're like, we, this is what the constitution was set up for. This is what the the founding fathers were thinking. Um, The framers of the constitution, they're like, We don't want any one group of people getting elected through this system to be able to just grab a hold of everything. There's Mm got to be checks and balances. And again, you know, law breaking versus law testing. Uh, Is it illegal to do what they have done? No. And thank God the rest of the system has has said, no, we're going to, you know, the McGahn decision recently. No, Mm -hmm. Congress sends out a subpoena. You better show up for it. That is, that's the law. You, You must. And it was, it's been tested again um and you know now we're gonna enforce that apparently but you know to say that just on routine matters now we're not you know ah copper i'm not telling you nothing i mean that's what happens when you get mobsters in the white house it's not good Mm. so we should never do it again we should never do it again Um, in fact nixon and uh and trump would make two mobsters well we we think mobsters or at least mobster enabled uh presidents in the white house well, and didn't she make the point about like, you know, I'm back doing Nixon and there's Roger Stone running around and today she did. Roger she Stone's did. still running around. All the same people are still there. And it's, it's, she's, she was reluctant to declare him sort of a mobster. She didn't say that he was uh, even funded by the mobsters. I played her a little clip of, of uh, Lansky saying uh, that he was accused of, of buying the presidency, but never confirmed it and certainly there's a lot of evidence to suggest that there was a lot of mob money floating around and that's not unusual not just for nixon but it's not unusual in politics necessarily but it's very unusual having an actual mobster 
in the, in the White House, which is apparently what we have now. I mean, there's not even that much doubt about whether Donald Trump has been involved in money laundering and many of these other crimes. It's uh, pretty pretty clear that he was uh, or has been, and yet here he is running the running the United States, uh, and that, of course, should never ever happen. A very close relationship that Kamala Harris had with uh, Bo Biden, the late son of the Biden family. Um, she said in this, this is in 2019, I believe she sent this on, on Twitter, uh, Bo Biden was my friend, we were AGs together, and you couldn't find a person who cared more deeply for his family, the nation he served, and the state of Delaware. Four years after passing, I still miss him. There's a great response as well from uh, uh, Dr. Biden and, uh, and Joe Biden to that, to that message. This is before there was any prospect of her becoming uh, a vice presidential uh, nominee. This was just her saying uh, that she cared about a friend and, and sending her best wishes to the Biden. So there is actually a very yeah. deep family uh, bond there between the between Kamala Harris and the Bidens, despite all this, you know, public, you know, uh, furor about them, you know, dissing each other on stage during one debate. That's politics. There's a much deeper family connection here. Well. You know, one of the things that goes to the core of Joe Biden, that I think I personally think makes him uh, a remarkable human being, um, much less leader, is that he's suffered incredible losses. I mean, he's lost multiple children. And I think it's every parent's nightmare to, to have to bury your own children. And he's done it. And I've, I've seen him talk to other families that have lost people. I've seen him talk to gold star families of veterans. And some some phrase that that he used. He says, I know right now you don't think you're ever going to see that smile return, mm. but, but you will. Mm. And that, you know, that he is, you know, there's just personally, you know, thinking about him as a future president. Um, you know, that's and already having been a, an exceptional vice president, um, given what he was tasked with, uh, in the run up to our current situation, uh, which has yet to be fully discussed. Um, the, you know, the fact that he's able to bring that kind of humanity straight to citizens is the kind of dignity, uh, and wisdom that, uh, that, it, that it befits a free democracy. So. Mm. There's a story about, you know, when Bo was sick, they, they had to, they were considering selling their home just to, to fund his, um, his health care because he was going to go through these, all these operations. Mm -hmm. And it's, uh, Obama actually was the one who like forcibly intervened there and said, don't do it. Don't do it, Joe. Yeah. Um, and, you know, that's the kind of real people that we had in the White House and actually care for other people and, uh, and their family and friends, which we clearly do not have right now, um, as 160,000 plus people are dead in this country from uh, coronavirus that could have been avoided. Uh, but that's that all goes well for their relationship. I think if uh, these are good people and they'll get along well together, uh, Biden and Harris. You can't get away from the, uh, from the, enormity, the enormity of the day. I mean, it's just incredible that uh, she's now the first Asian American woman to run on the presidential ticket as by either parties, of course. She's also the first black woman to run on a presidential ticket, either parties, of course. And uh, that's because her mother was born in India and her father mm -hmm. in Jamaica. Mm -hmm. A lot of history being made here. This is them, hey, by the I way. Think, if you want to, you know, this is mom and dad from when they I've met. I've never seen them. I've, I've, uh, I've, I've, uh, I'm aware of Donald Harris's uh, academic career. Um, I think they met at Berkeley or something, I think. Definitely a California story, and mm. um, yeah, I mean the, the it, it's so it's so powerful and important right now, um, given the degree to which America's 
um, relationships with race and immigration, which are central to the American story and which represent incredible successes and abominable failures. Um, given how much America's adversaries learned about those social uh, the, the, those, uh, social realities here and how to further damage them, inflame that damage and divide us using them, um, to have something like this where, you know, the, the cheap accusations that will be made and proliferated via social media and pundits uh, are going to fall apart here. Mm -hmm. um, you know, the, uh, the, you know, the attempts, you know, last time uh, with, you know, and the, and the continued um, attempts to, 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 I mean, we've discovered that, you know, the, a certain number of, of African-Americans upset, I think upset with Joe Biden that, you know, turns out they're Moldovans. They're not actually African-Americans. <laughs> they're neither African nor American. Uh, surprise, they're in the Russian sphere of influence. Yeah. Um, and, you know, while, you know, we've already broken, um, you know, the African-American barrier with Barack and Michelle Obama. Um, and, uh, you know, to my knowledge, you know, Asian has never, has never crossed that transom. Um, but, but here we are, you know, this is, we're getting into, I, you know, I never say post-racial. I don't think America will ever be post-racial, but, you know, there's so many stories of, you know, that are diverse. And I think making, I think watching an active measure develop of recent where you get people are saying, this has got to be this way. This is going to, this needs to be a black female. Mm. And personally, I, I thought to myself, well, you know, aren't there other forms of diversity uh, that could represent that? Does do we have to be in that box? And, you know, that, of course, can be weaponized if you, you know, when you get people who are militant in one way or the other. But the idea of we're going to we're going to make the diversity should be for every organization and its leadership a natural characteristic Mm -hmm. um, I did research on this in, in you know, my work of uh, management consulting some 10, 15 years ago and in the intelligence world as well. We've known this for, for years that a diversity of mindsets and, and backgrounds are actually utterly critical to intelligence analysis, that mm -hmm. there is stuff that you will learn that you will just know instinctively. Um, by being from a different background, whatever it is, your your parents are from a country you're studying, or you, you speak a number. You know what it's like to speak two or three languages at at home, or you're from a minority. Different mindset. Uh, it really helps. Yeah, different mindsets, and you know to have uh, you know American leadership reflect that, um, perhaps not in a way that allows uh, people to weaponize that against us, but to just make that just naturally how well. Yeah, we should you know we should have a diversity. It shouldn't just be old white guys. Mm. Um, and you know, it should all, it should be as rainbow as possible, not with any particular strictures, but just as a general concept, not because we're trying to run away from something bad, mm. but because of something inherently useful about it and, and, and superior about that diversity. I think we're, we're moving into that space where it's, I mean, this is a huge day, but we had a woman running for president last time. And uh, she won the popular vote, and probably mm. without uh, you know the uh, our, our friends in the uh, hostile foreign intelligence services, they have also won the electoral college, <laughs> given right. the uh, the closeness to the margin. So Absolutely. America totally was, right. we were ready for a woman president four years ago. We didn't get one. Um, we've you know we've we've had a black president before, and we got one. Um, and and now we're just gonna we're gonna move forward, and, and if this is gonna be 
you know, dialogue that gets inflamed by folks. And it was just, we got a super old white dude from Scranton, Pennsylvania, by way of Delaware, and then a woman of two immigrant parents who is, you know, a life, a lifelong enforcer of the law who represents both Asian and, you know, African and African-American culture and Caribbean, all that, throw it all in, throw it mm -hmm. all into the, uh, the leadership I'm mix. And so good. Yeah. And we're, you know, and, and, uh, you know, that that's, that's the future, baby. We're I'm just excited direction. about the possibility of having someone there who gets to learn on the job a little bit. You know, I mean, it's it's incredible when we just find out, you know, when Donald Trump walks into the, you know, 1600 Pennsylvania and we have no idea whether he can do the job um, and can't, as it turns out. In this case, you're yeah. going to have her, uh, we know that Joe Biden can, and we know that Kamala Harris can now have four years where she can certainly learn how to do that job before she runs for president, or maybe it'll be eight, but uh, you know, there's certainly the potential she can run in four years, assuming, of course, she will. We, we assume this ticket's gonna go the way we think. Um, but that's, you know, that's helpful, I think. I, I think Americans should be a little bit gun shy of, of politicians who don't have experience in actually governing. Oh, I hope that is, uh, was it Tina Fey who coined the term that, that sex and politics are the only two activities where somehow inexperience is seen as attractive at right, all? Right, right. Um, <laughs> I mean, it's and true. And as you get older, you realize both that's incorrect. Yeah, um, <laughs> that's true. But, I mean, there's certainly no draining the swamp if, uh, if it looks like uh, Donald Trump has portrayed it, has, has done it. It's not really very impressive. By the way, Donald Trump <laughs> will be out there saying uh, he's, he's not a big fan of Kamala Harris, but that's not oh. what the... The record shows he donated. Oh. He donated ah. September 26th, 2011. $5,000 went to Kamala Harris's re-elect uh, campaign for yeah. Attorney General. He did it again, so he obviously didn't mind that. In 2013, he donated another $1,000. And there's Ivanka in, 20, in 2014. 20, uh, 2014, she donated $2,000. So um, if you hear any criticism about Kamala Harris, especially as Attorney General of California, coming from the Trump campaign, just show them this. Have oh, the go FEC away. database. That's yeah, oh. fantastic. Lots of good information there. She's also um, really, really uh, cool in so many ways. Um, and one of the ways she is really cool is that she dances really well. Ballroom, yeah. salsa. Um, you know. A little bit of that, a little bit of, you know, you can mix in whatever you want in this, uh, in this video. Let's take a look. All right. She can move. I can't hear the music, but that's definitely okay. We're there is no music. It's like a lot of noise. They're banging a lot. Yeah, but she can do it. She can move. Yeah. No, she's not going to clap on one and three, people. <laughs> we've got we've got clapping on the backbeat is is down. She's got that thing. She's got All right. the, the hips can move. Okay, yeah, so, no, so. so that's pretty good, right? <laughs> this this is why she beat Klobuchar. Everyone's thinking. <laughs> I mean, if, if you saw the. The Klobuchar <laughs> white girl dance. Uh, okay, that's what put it over the edge, people. It All reminds right. you a little bit of uh, Michelle Obama, of course. And, um, you know, she also has smoked weed. I'm, I'm not going to say whether that's oh! cool or not, but she smoked weed. And, uh, and you know, I'll let her talk about it because, you know, we should let her talk about it. Um, she says a long time ago, but she does confess <laughs> to to <laughs> inhaling. She, 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 so, lived in, she lives in North. Okay, I, this is like. In I know Vermont. I know. Ver, I'm from Vermont, and Vermont, to my knowledge, hasn't still legalized marijuana because I don't think Vermonters know that it's illegal. And the woman was in Northern California. She's in San Francisco. I mean, showing up at work pantsless is, you know, I was there. I, uh, you know, it's hey. it's it's optional. 
I, uh, let's listen to her describe it. I believe we need to legalize marijuana. We need to move it on the schedule so that we can um, research the impact of weed on, based on a developing brain. Have you ever smoked? I have. Okay. And I, and I inhaled. I did, in, I did inhale. I inhaled. <laughs> it was a long time ago. <laughs> but yes. I think that it gives a lot of people joy and we need more <laughs> joy. That's very true. Very true. And well handled as well. I don't think anyone's going to have any difficulty with that. I mean, yeah, you know, our, our problem is fentanyl, not weed. Right. Uh, <laughs> They actually asked you Donald know, Trump today about the drug thing, about the weed thing. And, you know, we know from past shows that people have said that he's got his own addiction issues. And so he just, he couldn't obviously answer with any sort of honesty around that. Not that he would anyhow, but so he just smiled through the, the question and, and just dodged it completely because he knows it's just such a trap for him. Um, if he starts admitting, you know, they're criticizing her for, for smoking weed, then he might have to get criticized for his own uh, whatever he does. Um, so that's I mean, interesting. They, I, hopefully that, they, I, hopefully that this puts that all to bed uh, for as a, as a, as a, you know, it's, it's a, an era of baby boomer politics where anyone gives the oh. slightest crap about that. Uh, but, you know, even on, even on your famous SF 86 forms, when you go to get your security clearance, um, you know what they're looking for, on pretty much every question uh, is I tried it once in college. I didn't really like it. Um, mm. and even if that's not the case, it's like, you don't have anything active going on. Do you, um, you know, there's nothing that's going to compromise you. You're not going to have to buy anything from a weird source. That's what they're, they're looking at. Yeah. And you know, we're looking at presidents who aren't going to catch an Interpol red notice. So they can't travel on dip diplomatic trips because they're going to be arrested at the next airport. Right. That's what we're leaving. Although this you know, these days, thing with. Like Bolsonaro and those, that's exactly what they do. If you're hearing a lot of whining, yeah. it's my dog who wants to really leave and have, uh, go outside, even though the door's open, he can't see. So he's, um, he, that's why you're hearing him whining. And I apologize for that noise in the background. You know, Donald Trump was asked about, about uh, Kamala today. Here's part of his answer. I had to cut it down because I can't stand the whole thing. But here's, uh, here's what he said. Good, good, good. Uh, let's take a look at uh, Trump trying to knock down Kamala Harris. Were you going to lose your doctors? You're going to lose your plans. She wants to take uh, your health care plans Lie. away from 180 Lie. million Americans. 180 million Americans Lie. are very happy with their health insurance, and she wants to take that away. Lie. So she was my number one pick. I mean, she was, I, as they would say, because hopefully you'll start college football, she was my number one <laughs> draft pick. <laughs> and you'll see how she works out. Terrifying. She did very, very poorly in the uh, primaries, as you know, he was expected really to do know. well. She did really well. And she, she just had to bail. Was, she ended up at right around 2% and spent a lot of money. Well, she she, didn't, she ran out of was it. Happening. And so I was a little surprised that he picked Well, she her. didn't have any laundered in from Russia. Time. And yeah. I was a little surprised. She was extraordinarily nasty to uh, Kavanaugh, Judge Judge oh, some of us like nasty Justice women. Kavanaugh. She was nasty to a level that was just... Uh, a horrible thing the way she was, the way she treated awesome. now Justice Kavanaugh. Perfect. And I won't forget that soon. I'm sure she's not going to forget that either. She's not going to forget that you put Kavanaugh in there. And she's not going to forget that you think that she's nasty for asking legitimate questions of a Supreme Court justice. And everything else he said was just a total lie. I mean, just complete <laughs> nonsense. Obviously, the only, considering he's taking away all the health uh, insurance from Americans, Right now, Anne is thinking about getting rid of Social Security, 
and he's criticizing her for taking away yeah. social security, I mean, health care. It's just it, nonsense. He said he was the king of the Jews. I mean, right. he says something every day. And, you know, I was talking about this last night as people were, he got the dates of World War II wrong. No, he didn't. He got you to not talk about Deutsche Bank complying right. with the subpoena for the Manhattan yeah. DA's office. It's exactly he what he does. not talk about the bounties on American soldiers paid for by Russians. And, um, you know, they should, but let's take him at his word that he, that, you know, he's not just seeking a distraction. He's looking to analyze uh, the effect of Kamala Harris and, and Joe Biden together. Not that he shouldn't have had some, some notion, even through his addled, stupid criminal brain that he's not going to do well this year. The piles of dead bodies and the 20% unemployment. Not a good look. It's just and, not a good look. Oh, you ask any election you know, you know, campaign manager or anything, electioneer, that's that the dead bodies always get you. Um, but he knows that this is it, man, because this is this is a strong team. And, you know, this this ticks, you know, all the boxes for the most part. And, you know, these are both experienced people who have been vetted. Um, you know, neither one is blemishless. Uh, and, you know, these guys, they ran a, just tactically they, they, they were, you can tell how afraid they were by when they deployed the Burisma stuff. Mm -hmm. They could have sat on that another year and, and brought it mm -hmm. out now, but they're like, we, you know, if you think about, you know, Adam Schiff had only had chairmanship of House Intel for six months. Jerry Nadler mm -hmm. had only had chairmanship for six months. He knew there could be uh, an impeachment. And so he threw, they we're going to throw Ukrainian stuff at it. It's like, what are you insane? Semyon Megilovich is originally Ukrainian. You've got Dmitry Firtash, who is, you know, attached to your, to, to your personal lawyer and to your flunkies in Florida and to your old campaign manager, Manafort, and is wanted in the Northern district of Illinois. What are you doing bringing up uh, Ukraine in 2019? Well, he mm. probably thought, you know, they're, they're going to come for me. I got to find, something to throw and that he knows joe biden was going to be you know a strong contender and he was right he was and right but it didn't work their the strategy didn't work sending giuliani on that little mission to bring back whatever it was he supposedly brought back didn't work he's they released more of the hunter biden stuff this week there's going to be more to come because they're going to accuse him of all the china stuff none of it is going to work especially about china because it's just every day we're finding out more about how close donald trump is to china I didn't realize that so many floors of Trump Tower were uh, basically owned by bank, at least by the Bank of China, in addition uh, to the two hundred million dollars that he owes them. I mean, he is so beholden to China mm -hmm. that it makes Russia look like a walk in the park for everybody else, you know. And not to mention, Russia and China are, you know, joined at the hip. So that's not going to work. And so they are out of the uh, tricks, I think. The Steele dossier was the 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 product of a private not an intelligence community, but a private effort to get a sense from open source analysts of what's floating around about Donald Trump and Russia. And of course, there was so much it freaked even an old hand like Christopher Steele out, who's now out talking publicly, going yeah. on podcasts. Yeah. And in 2018, he passed a uh, you know his report up to the Intelligence and Security Committee of the UK Parliament, which is out now. But if you go back to the where people originally heard Christopher Steele's name uh, in 
early, early 2017, where they rushed that thing out to try and, you know, Ooh, we're going to get caught for the Russia things. There's a line in, in the Steele dossier about how Russia was pleased that they were only focusing on Russia because, mm. of course, this partnership included other countries that were not trivial. And now we know particularly which one they were glad to obscure. Yeah. Which At was the end China. of the day, this is all a big smokescreen to hide China. And China and Russia have been working actively together because they have a lot of common interests. That's true. Uh, and, you know, they've been close for many, many decades uh, in different ways. But uh, China's the one who stands to gain the most. And China's the one that seems to be currently doing the most damage to America. Um, whether it's, you accept the coronavirus as being accidental or otherwise, it certainly looks like their attempt to contain it and Donald Trump's attempt to contain it appear to, the, to anyone, really, um, like it's an intentional attempt to allow this thing to spread. Um, and you can't look at the facts any other way. There's just no way to look at them in any other way. So um, that's going to make for an interesting election. Any last thoughts about uh, Kamala? I think we've covered it. I, I, I'm interested to hear what her what her proposals are and what she focuses her voice on as America really starts listening to her. And given Joe Biden's age, and I, I would think uh, he might be inclined to only be a one-term president, just just for that reason alone, the guy is uh, you know the guy deserves his retirement. You know, people are going to listen to Kamala pretty closely because uh, she will be. The, you know, the front runner should uh, everybody, I mean, I don't know if they heard this, Joe, Joe is actually down 20% everywhere. So everyone <laughs> registered to vote. Um, yeah. But, you know, this is, you know, she's stepping onto the national stage one way or the other. And uh, we get to hear from her in her own words uh, in a way we haven't. So that's what I'm interested in hearing. I mean, I think she'll do a, a wonders on the uh, race portfolio. I hope she gets to own a, a big chunk of that because I do think that because of experience in justice and law and order, she can help reform uh, police departments and police legislation around the country that's desperately needed, um, you know, without affecting law and order per se, but in fact, uh, strengthening it, you know, by having police actually connect to the communities and not uh, treat the communities like their targets, um, working within communities, you get a much stronger community at the end of the day. And uh, she's the kind of, of uh, person who understands the legal system who can really, really do a strong job on that. And, and the same thing goes with prosecuting, um, uh, Trump Russia and whatever, Trump China or whatever other countries there are, we have a real problem with the foreign disinformation and um, and policing, you know, these foreign assets that are in our country. It's 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 not working, obviously, because they they're being allowed to run, run rampant. So what do we do about that? What do we do that about Huawei? What do we do about uh, uh, 5G? Those are all things that I think she could be really interesting in. I think you just brought up, uh, you know, bring up the domestic policing is really critical. I think counterintelligence, I don't think we'll be ignoring counterintelligence yeah, anytime sure. soon. Uh, but we got guys like Adam Schiff out there uh, who are literal, you know, 30 plus year old hands at counterintelligence uh, prosecution. Let's, I wonder what he'll do. Yeah. Uh, you know, in the next years. But, you know, I live here in St. Louis. And uh, I'm a few minutes away from Ferguson, and two days ago, it was the sixth anniversary of the death of, of Michael Brown wow. at the hands of the Ferguson Police Department. And there were a lot of reforms that sprung into action as a result of that had been developing since some of the tragedies around Trayvon Martin and, and many other 
uh, African-American men particularly who were gunned down uh, by police uh, in extra legal circumstances uh, that were all videoed and shared and shocked the country. But the Department of Justice under Barack Obama really started moving very heavily uh, through its civil rights division to enforce, uh, you know, through consent decrees in lieu of lawsuits and judgments, um, you know, a, a return to constitutional principles. Mm -hmm. And when Trump came in, that progress that had just started to turn in the year, year and a half old, so it was just getting warmed up. One of the first things they did was cut that loose under mm -hmm. Jeff Sessions. Um, and well, that's why they you know, worked so hard to to win the election by cheating, is because they knew they knew they had to turn these things around. The law was, you know, was tight. The noose was re literally tightening around their necks. It was becoming really, really a problem for a lot of these uh, people who, who were skating by. That's why they right, worked so hard to get there. Especially if you've got, um, if you really could, as the mob always had, could use a hand from police departments that look the other way, or at least have some people on them force that look the other way there's mm -hmm. many 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 if not the vast majority of good police officers that do a, a valuable public service and those that are on the take none of these are new stories um but we'd make we'd started to make real progress against some systemic problems uh and then that got you know kind of scrapped under trump starting in early 2017 but those consent decrees were still in in force and they may have said oh well, we're not gonna we're not gonna pursue this or whatnot and i i think there's more than one police department that maybe thought the coast was clear mm -hmm. uh but that's the th thing when you're dealing with the fbi or federal oversight that just because they're not prosecuting you right now doesn't mean they're not keeping track and it will be very interesting if there is a biden harris administration and you you know the vice president tends not to have you know the lead on every every policy right but mm -hmm. they usually has one thing that they're particularly passionate about we were lucky with biden as vice president he was so he he was so skilled at foreign policy and, 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 and domestic policy with sen the senate he was just so good at wrangling them it, that so much got done because of him oh oh he you know i mean he'd been there for 40 years mm -hmm. and you know he you know he you know why why would he was mr amtrak because he took the amtrak home from mm -hmm from DC to, to, to Wilmington. And uh, incidentally, I went to the University of Delaware for one year and I still have a great affection for the place and even oh, nice. friends from that from that year. But, uh, you know, he was always home to Delaware and he always, yeah, he thought domestic policy and, and foreign policy, which he really helped him as vice president. Um, and Kamala's gonna be in a similar, she doesn't have the same length of tenure in the Senate, but she does have those decades of law enforcement. So it'll be very interesting to see a woman passionate about reform and uh, particularly where it involves racial disparities where a lot of these live. It'd be interesting if there were any police departments in the United States that thought the coast was clear under Trump mm -hmm. and went back to some bad old habits and then in walks Kamala Harris and whoever they pick as attorney general, and there are so many good choices. Sally Yates she, looked great the other day. As she Sally Yates did look fantastic. I do love her. She's, she's one of my favorites. Um, you know, there's also uh, well, Elizabeth Warren's a, a really great pick for the cabinet somewhere. If she, I mean, some people say she'll stay in the Senate to really drive policy there, but uh, it would be great to see her involved in 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 the cabinet in some ways. 
Um, and Cory Booker, who, by the way, is the is the main origin of that bill to legalize weed that Kamala Harris has signed on to, um, federal legalization of weed. That's also ultimately a a race and law and order issue because so many um, you know black, especially black people, are uh, arrested for uh, for carrying uh, marijuana, which is ridiculous in this day and age. Um, so that's the reasoning behind the the legalization of marijuana initiative that I think we could see happen in this new administration. Yeah, and, and combine that. Well, no, I mean it's right. It's right in there. I mean you've mm. got because uh, you know you're talking about sentencing and and prosecution that is racially disparate, where you know black Americans cannot expect the same treatment in front of a court that white Americans can, especially around uh, you know those criminal issues. And uh, the drug war has been extraordinarily hard on the African American people of the United States, and to have people that. Uh, are going to know that coming in and they've got a whole laundry list of things they want uh that they want changed improved reformed and uh and fixed um you know to, there's really a deep bench of policy expertise and i think we've been living under this uh you know the um the talking points uh the propaganda really of uh you know we've got big governments a problem you know we need small government you know grover norquist who said i want i want a government so small that i can drown it in the bathtub they made one so small that vladimir putin could drown it yeah and then they just um, stole everything you know at the end of the day the, the 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 party of small government landed up just being thieves they just stole government, and you know that's the where... first ones with the PPP money. The first yeah. ones to give their college friends, you know, government contracts. So America's a big country. Now... It's got lots of money. It should have a big government that can handle everything it needs to do because America needs it. It's a big. It's a big country, uh, and it certainly you know doesn't spend as much on healthcare or anything else um, in terms of a state uh, state funds um, as other countries per capita do. And it's the results in other countries when you've got universal healthcare. Are remarkably better um, when you than what is currently in the United States, where people are overpaying for for everything, and uh, and you know, and private healthcare is not really working for everybody in, in the United States. I think we should call I mean, it a night because it's it's nine o'clock. We've been on for a yep. bit. Uh, it's been All fun. Right. It's been fun hanging out. I've had a long day because I, uh, I didn't really sleep last night because I was getting so excited about Jill Wine Banks that I stayed up listening to her audio tape and I was like, oh my god, is she going to fall in love? Is she going to fall in love? And she does. You know, I would spoil it for you, but maybe she falls in love at the end. So we should read the book, The Watergate Girl. Uh, it's really good, <laughs> and hopefully Joel will be back. And an exciting day for everyone today. Kamala Harris announced as the vice president pick by Joe Biden for the Democratic uh, nominee nomination. Um, and uh, we're really excited about that. I think the convention is next week. Is it? Is it next week? I think it's coming up soon. You know, I think it's next week. They start Monday. Yep. Okay, we should carry some of that live, considering it's all happening via, via the the fine interweb. Um, we can be frontline correspondents there. Um, last time I was at, at a Democratic convention was the one where Barack Obama was elected and uh, no, sorry, nominated, and it was insane. It was in unbelievable. The amount of people who showed up at that uh, it was Denver Stadium was. It just it blew your mind up. It's so many people showed up. And the stadium rocked, you know. So many people were so excited about his presidency. And they were right to be because he turned out to be a great president. And uh, you're going to see, I think, a lot of that same kind of excitement, even though we may not have uh, people showing up in, in, in stadiums. But online next week, uh, it's going to be a lot of excitement as this, uh, as this ticket really builds some steam and, and marches into November. <laughs> 
support Narrative's independent journalism at patreon.com forward slash narrative and check out our podcast wherever you get your podcasts and don't forget to subscribe and download.